have to have a pencil and paper to take it. It's yes or no questions, and so you can answer these questions in your head. But I want you to keep up with your answers, at least, as you go through the questions. All right, everybody ready? Here's question number one. Do you always seem to be in a hurry? Do you always seem to be in a hurry? Okay? You know, you've got a lot of things going on, so you're always in a hurry to get from one thing to the other. Do you always seem to be in a hurry? Yes or no? That's just a simple question. Number two, is your to-do list always filled with more things than you can possibly do? You know, I can't relate to folks who are bored because there's always something else to do. Does your to-do list, is there always more on it than you can possibly get done? Number three, do you use your off days to catch up with unfinished work? You never, you never catch up. You've always got something else to do. And so when you're off, you always have something else that you really need to catch up with. Number next, have you been told by more than one person you need to slow down? You know, it may be a husband, maybe a wife, maybe uh, some good friend who says that to you, but you really need to slow down. Have you ever been told that? And then here's another one. Do you feel guilty when you try to relax? Do you feel guilty when you try to relax? You go fishing and you always think about something else that, that really and truly needs to be done, and so you want to go and get back to the work. And then the last one, do you have to actually get sick before you get a day off? You know, uh, you really don't have time to take a day off, and so you have to actually get sick before you get to take a day off. You know, there's some folks who are like that. And so that's your, that's your pop quiz this morning. And so I want you to think about, as we do some analysis here on that pop quiz... Uh, the answer to the quiz for some folks mostly was no, okay? And so they didn't, they didn't uh, have a lot of things on there. But however, for many folks, many of us, we had more yeses than we had no's. We had more yeses on those questions than we, than we could say no to some of those things. In his book, Crazy Busy, a man by the name of Kevin DeYoung argues that one thing that, that we today, more than at any other time in human history, that, that folks who, who have lived before in, in years gone by, that they can't even begin to fathom about us is all the opportunities that we have. You know, we can go just about anywhere relatively cheaply and, and get there relatively quickly. And when we do go somewhere, we can uh, have just about any kind of information that we would ever want at our fingertips with our cell phone. Uh, we can communicate with almost anybody, anywhere, anytime. We have all kinds of opportunities, don't we? And so the result of that, Mr. DeYoung says, is simple. He says, it's simple but true. Because we can do so much, we do do so much. Because we can do so much, we do do so much. And you know, that's probably true. He's probably right. Because we have so many opportunities, we try to take advantage of so many of them, and I'm not saying this morning that we shouldn't take advantage of opportunities and we shouldn't try to fulfill things, 
But sometimes, because we have so many, we try to take advantage of all of them, and we simply cannot do that. We get too busy. We try to cram things into our 24-hour day that we would not be able to do if we had 25 hours in a day. We get so busy that we're going so much that, that we just simply don't have time, at least we think, to add anything else into our life. Well, this morning I want us to think about that. And I want us to ask the question this morning, what happens when we get too busy? There are four things that I'll present to us this morning, things that happen to us when we get too busy. And I want to go ahead and say here at the very outset of our lesson that sometimes we need to think about our lives and think about how busy we are because it becomes a danger to us here in this life with our physical health, but it also becomes a danger to us when it comes to our spiritual life. And so let's look at four things right now that it does. Number one, busyness can strip us of our joy. It can strip us of our joy. I want you to think about some Bible passages with me this morning. What about Philippians chapter 4 at verse number 4? The Apostle Paul wrote and said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I want you to think about Galatians chapter 5 at verse number 22. The same Apostle wrote, he speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, so forth. Number two on that list of, uh, of the fruit of the Spirit was joy. I want you to think about the words of our Lord found in the book of John, chapter 15, at verse number 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know, when our lives become so frantic and frenzied here on this earth, we're prone to more anxiety, we're prone to more resentment, we're prone to more impatience, we're prone to more irritability, and our joy just isn't where it should be. See, Christians should be characterized by joy, shouldn't we? We ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. Not just because of what we have here on this earth, not because we've got a bunch of things and because we've got a relatively easy life, but because we have so much waiting for us on the other side. And our joy that's found in Jesus can be full in Him if we're thinking about Him and thinking about the life that He offers and thinking about what He's giving us more than thinking about the things that we have to do here and the things that, that we want to have here and the things that, that mean so much to us down here. Our life is to be characterized by joy. But when we get so busy doing things here on this earth, even good things, even things sometimes working for the Lord, get so busy doing that, it can strip us of our joy. Number two, busyness can strain our relationships. Strain our relationships. You know, more often than not, when our lives are filled with busyness, the first thing to suffer is our relationships. Now you think about that. Don't we sometimes, when we, when we get really busy, don't we easily get annoyed with other folks? 
When they, when they try to uh, have some of the time that is taken up with so many things, we begin to get annoyed, don't we? Now let me show you a Bible example of that. If you have your Bible, you may want to turn to the book of Luke chapter 10. Beginning in verse 38 and going through verse number 40, the Bible says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Mary was distracted with much serving. Mary, uh, rather Martha, was busy, wasn't she? Uh, she had Jesus in her house. She had his apostles in her house. And so she had at least 13 visitors with her that day. And, and she was trying to get them some lunch fixed so that they wouldn't go hungry. Nobody could leave her house and say that she was inhospitable. She was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Do you see how Martha was annoyed first at her sister? Notice the statement that she made to Jesus. She has left me to serve alone. You know, as we think about what she's doing here, it seems that Martha is the one who's busy working, and the Bible says that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. She's not doing anything, it seems, at that point. Now, obviously, we know that she was doing something, wasn't she? She was listening to the good things that the Lord had to say. And the Lord is going to point that out to Martha as you continue reading in that passage. And so Mary truly was the one who was doing what needed to be done on that day, rather than Martha who was busy cooking the meal. And Jesus makes that clear but our point this morning is this, Martha became annoyed with her sister because she thought she had left her busy. She couldn't spend time out there like Mary was doing. She had to be in the kitchen. She had to be working. She had to be busy. And now she becomes annoyed at her sister. But more than that, it seems she became annoyed with her Lord. You see, the statement that she makes about her sister, she makes to Jesus, doesn't she? And notice what she says to Jesus. Lord, don't you care that Mary has left me alone to serve and to do all of the work? Lord, don't you care? You see, what she's wanting Jesus to do is get on to her sister, and, and she's sort of annoyed at him that he hasn't already done that. Mary, you should be helping Martha in the kitchen. So she has become annoyed with her own family, but with her Lord as well. And so... The relationships that sometimes we have with other people, when we get so busy, we don't want to be bothered, we don't want to be distracted, we want to, we want to continue working so that we can get our work done, and when somebody tries to borrow some of the time that we have, we become angry with them, annoyed with them. And when the Lord tries to have us to come and worship or serve Him in some way throughout the week, we become annoyed because the Lord wants some of our time that we have dedicated to so many things that keep us so busy. You see, busyness can put a strain on our relationships. We don't have time to spend with other people talking to them and learning about them and being with our friends and our family. 
and we sure don't have time to spend with God. Busyness can strain a relationship, but busyness can also strip, or go the other way, busyness can also steal from our hearts. Busyness can steal from our hearts. In the parable of the sower, there were some seeds that fell on the pathway. Some fell on the rocky ground, some fell on the thorny ground, and some fell on the good ground. But it's in that thorny ground that we want to focus our attention for just a moment this morning. In Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 18, the Bible says, And others are ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Focus on what he says there that steals the word out of our heart. One of the things that the Lord says that steals the word out of our heart is the cares of the world. I think one of the things that he's speaking about here is being busy with life. He doesn't say that the, that the things of the world are bad things. If you go to the book of 1 Corinthians, you know that when Paul was discussing uh, marriage in 1 Corinthians and whether or not those of, uh, of Corinth and those of the first century should get married, he, he said it's good for a person to be able to, to remain unmarried like him. Why? Because the man who marries cares about pleasing his wife. He has to take care of the responsibilities of being a husband. Now, Paul points out that there's nothing wrong with being a husband. It was just easier for him and easier for others at that time because of the persecutions and other things that would be taking place for them not to be married. And he makes it clear that if they couldn't contain their, their desires for each other, then they should marry, and there's nothing wrong with that. And later, the writer of the book of Hebrews would speak about how marriage and the marriage bed being undefiled, how that's good before God, and how he's pleased with that. And so, Paul is not talking about marriage being bad, he just talks about the cares of this world, the things that, that, that takes the, 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 the person and, 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 you know, makes use of their time. Sometimes we just get busy living life, don't we? Paying the bills, fixing the things that around the house that, that need to be fixed. You know, taking care of all of those kinds of things. We get so busy doing that, making our house, you know, look good and, and, and be better, that we get so busy that, that we just simply don't have time. For God. Busyness steals from our hearts. But I want you also to notice that there's another thing that's said in that same passage. And he speaks about the cares of the world, but he also goes on and speaks about this. Later on he says that, uh, that not only uh, the, the, the deceitfulness of riches, but the desires for other things. How many in our nation desire other things? We desire to have another car or a better car or a bigger house or a boat or some other thing. 
And how is it that we get those things? Well, we've got to work a little more so we can get paid a little more, so we'll have a little more to pay on the payments of those other things. You see, that contributes to our busyness, doesn't it? And when we get that way in our life, when that busyness takes over our life, you see, it steals from our heart. It steals the Word out of our heart, the, the part here, but it steals other things out of our hearts as well. It steals the, the love and the kind regard that we have for our fellow man, for, for those who are around us. It, it steals from our hearts in that compassion that we have when we see someone in need, but we just don't have time to help that person who is in need. Busyness can steal from our heart. But not only that, busyness can stop our progress. Can stop our progress. What do you mean by that? Well, I want you to think about it in, in these, from this standpoint. Our overcommitment, that's being busy, causes us to do less, not more, most of the time, for the kingdom of God. To do those good things that really and truly need to be done. Someone has illustrated it in this way. They said this, said a mouse trap does not look like a trap to a mouse. You see, a mouse only sees the free food, whether it's cheese or peanut butter or whatever else you put on your mouse trap, that's what the mouse sees. Also, to a busy person, busyness doesn't appear to be a trap. And it's not a trap to us until we get caught in the trap. And so we're like a mouse a lot of times. We see the things that we really need to be doing, or at least we think we need to be doing. And there's no end to those things, and there's so much to be done that we get caught in the trap. And the only reward that we truly get out of it is more work and more and more busyness. With one who is so busy, we're caught. We never are able to move forward. And more of the things that we truly need to be doing over the things that we are simply having to do in this life. Busyness can stop our progress. But this morning, as we continue our thinking here along the lines of busyness, what is it that causes our busyness? When you say, preacher, that's obvious. I've got a lot of things to do. Uh, let's think a little deeper than that this morning. What is it? Well, I think sometimes we're too often busy because of pride. Aren't we warned about pride in the Bible? Go back to the Old Testament book of Proverbs 16 and verse 18. The Bible says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Go to Proverbs chapter 29 at verse 23. The Bible says one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Pride can be a contributing factor to our busyness, but how? How is it that pride can take a part in this? Well, here are two or three ways that it does. Number one, we try too hard to be people pleasers. We take pride in the fact that folks look at us and say, you know, here's a person who is the friend to everybody. 
Here's the person who, who whenever you ask him to do something or ask her to do something, she's always there. And she would give you the shirt, or he would give you the shirt off of his back. And so we try to be people pleasers. We're busy because we do too many things. We do too many things because we say yes to too many people quite often. We want to meet the expectations of people because we want them to think that we're a hard worker. We want them to think that we're a good person. We want to meet the expectations of people because we want them to think we're really nice. People-pleasing is actually, though, a form of pride. When we really boil it down, it's what we have what we want people to think about us. We've got pride in ourselves because we want them to look at us and to say, wow, with us. So we have to be very, very careful. Not only that, but we love to receive that pat on the back, don't we? The pat on the back, just to be straight, that's living for praise. That, that's what that truly is. It's not so much that we're wanting people to, uh, to place us in the, uh, the limelight or anything like that. We just want them to praise us. But in the book of Matthew chapter 6 at verse number 2, Jesus said this, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, He talks about how some people do things just to show off. And we're not necessarily saying that we're like, you know, somebody who's just blatantly wanting to show off. But that pride somewhere deep inside us says, you know, I like that pat on the back. It feels good when somebody says you've done a good job. Well, folks, if we're doing things just because we want somebody to tell us we've done good, we're no better than the ones who are mentioned here in the book of Matthew chapter 6 at verse number 2. And what Jesus says happens there is this. He says, if that's why we're doing things, then we got a reward when we got the pat on the back. We got a reward. And we, we shouldn't look for another reward because we've already gotten it. We don't do things just so people will say, you did good. Give you that pat on the back. But all too often we're busy because we want that pat on the back. We have that pride within ourselves. And then, number three, we judge ourselves by our possessions. We stay busy because we want more stuff, don't we? We've already addressed that to some degree. Many people think that uh, if they work a whole lot and earn a whole lot and obtain a whole lot, then they're worth a whole lot. What happens is they confuse what they have and what they're worth. What we have doesn't make us. It doesn't, the car that we drive, the house that we live in, the clothes that we wear, those are not the things that define the person. You see, that's spoken to us in these words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12 at verse 15. Jesus said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, 
For one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. We're, our worth is not based on what we have. But all too often we, we do that. And why do we do it? Well, it's back to that idea of pride again. We want people to see what we've been able to accomplish, what we've been able to amass, and thus they will have greater respect for us. They will count us as being worth more in our own life. And we get busy in our jobs and busy in our lives because we judge ourselves by our possessions. We have to be very, very careful. But you know, having said all of that, it's true that we have to distinguish what is truly important. We've got to learn to do that. You would think that healing the sick would have been one of the most important things that Jesus could do on the earth. Now, he did heal a lot of people, didn't he? There was no kind of disease that anybody had that Jesus couldn't heal. And he was willing to do that upon many occasions. But I want us to understand something this morning. That was not the most important thing that Jesus had to do here on this earth. And he says as much back in the book of Mark, chapter number 1. Turn, if you will, to the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 32, beginning. The Bible says that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon who, uh, and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. I want you to pay close attention. He said to them, Jesus said to them, Well, let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, casting out demons. Here were all of these people who had come to Capernaum. They, they were wanting to be healed. Jesus healed many of them, the Bible says in that passage. And yet, it, uh, it tells us there were others who were needing to be healed that as yet had not been healed. And what does Jesus do? Well, he has to get up early to sneak out of the house to go pray. And, and Peter comes looking for him. And when Peter finds him, he says, Everybody, everybody's done gathered up around the house. They're looking for you. And you know what that says, don't you? There were others who were sick. There were, there were those who were being brought. Those others that were wanting to be healed. And Jesus said, you know, really, we need to go on to the next town. Because that's why I came, came to preach. He didn't have to say, well, I didn't come to heal. He said, I came to preach. That was his job. That was his mission. That's what God told him to do. That was what was important to him. We have to learn to distinguish what is truly important, what our mission is, what our task really should be. Jesus knew that the healing of the soul rather than the body 
was more important. That healing would come only through his preaching and his teaching and their faith in his words. And the Bible, the New Testament, is so abundantly clear about that. Jesus didn't heal everybody. He could have healed everybody in the world with a single word, but he didn't. That wasn't his most important thing. He was busy, but he knew how to stay on his task. And so we have to learn to be what is, uh, distinguish what is important. But you know what? Sometimes we're just poor planners, aren't we? We really don't know how to plan to, to do the things that we really need to do. There are some people who have no plan at all. They're constantly putting out fires. They're running from one thing to another without any sort of arrangement or forethought. More time than is necessary is spent on doing the running a lot of times because there's no plan that's put into place. My daddy used to say about folks like that, they run around like chickens with their heads cut off. Anybody ever heard that story, heard that phrase? That's really and truly what sometimes we look like. We're busy doing this and that. We're going from one thing to another. And really, if we had a plan, we could do this here, do another thing here, another thing here before we ever get here, rather than having to come all the way back here, go there, then turn around and go back here, come back here and then go there. Uh, that, try to, that make sense to anybody? Put a plan in place. Sometimes we're too poor of planners. But then again, there's some people who plan exactly, or rather plan too much. There's no way that they will ever get things done. They plan too much. They put it all down and, and they know that they'll never get it done. But then number three, there are some people who plan exactly what they know that they can do. And just like those first two, that one's not a good plan either. Planning exactly what we know we can do. Why? Because sometimes the unexpected comes up. And what happens then? Well, we get way, way behind. Someone has put it this way, we have to plan for the margins. We're, we're finite, we can only do so much, and thus we really, if we have a plan, we're a good planner, we plan just a little less than we know that we can do. Then if something comes up, unexpectedly we have a little time already built into our day to handle that. But what if nothing unexpected comes up? Well, we finished early that day and we can go on to the task for the next day, start, start on something else. And so we really need to learn how to plan. But then not only that, we must learn to set our priorities. That's sort of what we were talking about just a moment ago when it came to Jesus. I like this. I read this in one of the articles that I was reading and preparing for this lesson. Somebody said, what if God suddenly said tomorrow, I'm changing up time. Instead of 24 hours in a day, there's only going to be 20 hours in a day. Every day is only going to be 20 hours from now on. What are you going to do? How are you going to live life? How are you going to get anything done? 
Well, the key is you're going to have to reprioritize. What would be the first thing to go if you had four hours less in every day? What would be the first thing to go? Something would have to go. You couldn't do as much if you only had 20 hours rather than 24 hours. You know, it may be that we would be like someone who is suffering from terminal cancer, who only has perhaps six months or so to live. What do they do? They prioritize. They start, start spending time with family, friends. They start donating their time and their resources to the Lord and to ministries that make a real difference in people's lives. They start to do things that they always felt like they should do. And that's a part of reprioritizing life. Again, let's refer back to Jesus. Do you think he was busy? Absolutely he was. Back to Mark chapter 1 at verse 37, Simon came to him, others who were looking for him, they found him and he said to them, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Can you imagine that day in, day out? So many people, we've been studying in our Bible class on Sunday mornings back in, in my class, we talked about it this morning. So many people were coming to Jesus. He couldn't even go into town. He had to go out into the desert places. Can you imagine life like that? Again, I mentioned Kevin DeYoung in his book, Crazy Busy. He makes this observation. He said, Jesus understood his mission. He was not driven by the needs of others, though he often stopped to help hurting people. He was not driven by the approval of others, though he cared deeply for the lost and the broken. Ultimately, Jesus was driven by the Spirit. He was driven by his God-given mission. He knew his priorities, and he did not let the many temptations of a busy life deter him from his task. The Son of God could not meet the needs of every person around him. He did not physically have time to heal every single person in the way that we imagine him doing that. He could not do that every single day. He had to get away even to pray. There were times when he had to get away to eat. There were times when he told his apostles that, that they needed to take uh, a boat to get away from people. He had to get away from people to sleep, but he had to sleep. And there were times that he had to say no. Folks, if Jesus had to live with human limitations, we'd be foolish to think that we don't. And so like him, we must set priorities. I can't do it all. We can become too busy. A lot of us, for many of us, our de facto mission is this. <coughs> Take care of the house. Meet the de next deadline. Keep the people in my life relatively happy. 
For most of us, we wouldn't say those are our priorities in life. That's not really the most important things in life. But by the fact that those are the things that we just constantly have to key on because there's so much to do, they do become the determining principles, the way that we operate. Without forethought of purpose and follow-through of pain, we will keep pushing aside the priorities we say are our priorities. That is, the important things like family, church, God, friends, not necessarily in that order. We have to put our plans in place based on proper priorities in life. God knew for us to be busy all the time was not good for His creation. God Himself knew that. He shows that by uh, showing that we need rest in the Old Testament. Number one, He shows it by the Sabbath day that He established even himself taking off on the Sabbath day, the seventh day. Now, I'm not saying this morning that, that we have a Sabbath day. God has changed law. I'm talking about principles that God has laid down for us. But there's one found in the book of or rather Psalms 127 at verse number 2 that perhaps we sometimes overlook. There the Bible says these words, it's vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. God knows that we need sleep. When we think that we don't need sleep, we defy God, since he made us to need it. What are you saying? Simply this. God knew that when He designed this human body, He knew that it was designed to work in a human way. He knew that it had its limitations. He knew that it could be worn out. He knew how it, was, uh, how it should function properly. And to be constantly too busy, He knew that it just wouldn't work. And just from the standpoint that He gave us sleep says that we sometimes have to take rest. Going to sleep, someone has said, is one way of saying, I trust you, God. I trust you. You know, God has given all of us 24 hours in every day. We don't have more. We don't have less. No one has any more than any other person. We all do with those hours what we think is most important. Sometimes we fill them up with so much busyness that we lose out on life and we will lose out on eternity. I want to close this morning by a passage that you may not be familiar with found in the Old Testament. It's in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 20. We're going to look at two verses there, verses 39 and 40. And I want you to think about what is said. 
There the Bible says, And as the king passed, he cried to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle. Behold, a soldier turned and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. Now pay close attention to verse 40. And as your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. The king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. Now, mind you, this story is the prophet teaching the king a lesson. And we don't have time to deal with that this morning. But I want you to see the way he illustrated it. He's charged with keeping a prisoner. And he said, it's your life or talent of silver if you let the prisoner go. But did you notice what the man said, the guard said? <coughs> While I was busy here or there, the man got gone. Did you notice what the king said? Both of those are true. We can get busy and let things go by. But did you notice what the king said? He said, basically this, you've judged yourself. You have determined yourself. You have decided yourself. So shall your judgment be, because you yourself have decided it. As we're busy here and there, so many things may be getting gone. It may be a family, maybe a relationship with a husband or wife, maybe our relationship with God. One of the most important things is our relationship with the Lord. We should never have enough wealth, could never have enough wealth to buy back our soul. And so are we willing to trade our business for our soul? You yourself will decide it. So true are the words of that king. We all have to examine our lives. We all have to make sure that we put them in the proper order. We can't be afraid to take some time off. And we shouldn't be ones who would take so much time off that we become lazy. That's a whole other sermon within itself. But we have to prioritize and balance our life. It may be this morning that you have been too busy for your Lord. You've never obeyed Him in the, by putting Him on in baptism. We would ask you to do that this morning, to make time for Him. Or maybe you've become a Christian, but you've been too busy for Him. Your life has been so hectic that you've left Him behind. You need to come back to Him. Whatever the case may be, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation today, do it right now.